Happy Sunday, Tampa Bay. We're with you for another week to talk about the Tampa Bay real estate market here on the Duncan Duo Show. Uh, I'm Andrew Duncan of the Duncan Duo, joined by Mike Corrigan with Cross Country Mortgage. And uh, Mike, it's interesting because you always hear horror stories about real estate closings with expectations that buyers have. What stays? What doesn't stay? What happens in a walkthrough inspection? All these things can cause chaos, especially because the real estate agents always try and keep things heading in the right direction, but we don't have control. We can't control what the seller or buyer does, and and we can tell them what to do, but sometimes they don't listen. Right. Um, and I'm sure on the mortgage side, you tell your clients what to do sometimes, and sometimes they don't listen. Right? Yeah, all the time, right? And they yeah. make up for the stories that we come on the radio and talk exactly about, right? like <laughs> like don't go and get a car loan while you're getting a mortgage, right? right? Yeah, or don't so, go get rooms so. to go zero percent financing furniture, you know, while you're while you're, or don't change jobs or don't quit your job prior right. to closing. You know, right. those are always fun ones. Um, but but you saw an article this week about. Seven things a savvy home buyer should always hammer out with a seller. And the first one on the list, I think, is a thorn in a lot of real estate agent sides. And it's any item in or outside the home. Would a real estate contract to, in its typical standard form, okay, every real estate contract's different. There's a lot of different varieties, but generally speaking, it is going to include any of the attached fixtures, aka lights and light fixtures and fans, yes. and any of the appliances in the kitchen. The washer and dryer is not always automatically included. Right. And then, of course, furniture, uh, outside fountains, um, I mean, all kinds of things. Like I've seen someone take a mailbox. And there was this big ordeal about it because it was like a personal thing for them, this mailbox. And if you read the contract, is the mailbox included or not? It, it's pretty gray area. So it became a big ordeal yeah. about, you know what, the, there's nowhere in here. Appli the mailboxes aren't appliances. Mailboxes aren't attached to the house. You know, So there's just, again, if there's something that you want to make sure stays dictated in the contract. If you're a seller and you want to make sure there's no confusion about what doesn't stay, make sure it's in the contract, you know, but, but furniture is, a, is one that always becomes the, a stickler. The general rule of thumb though, is if it's attached to something at the house, right, Correct. that it, it should stay. Yes. Um, you know, even as much as is kind of where you hang your TV on, like Correct. the bracket should stay on the wall, right? Correct. The TV can come down, but the bracket should. It gets it gets very. And again, there's a lot of argument and a lot of people that view that differently. So it's best to just itemize. Sure. I've had I've had really high end real estate closings that furniture was included cash, you know, four yeah. or five million dollar right. deals where furniture is included or TVs are included and had issues where items of furniture weren't there on the day of closing. So, again, if you're if you're talking about detailing what stays and what doesn't say itemize the list or photograph the list circle things like you literally if you don't i promise you there's going to be someone that's going to be let down either something's left behind that shouldn't or something is taken that shouldn't be right and and from the mortgage side of it and this is important to note depending on the value of whatever it is that is going to be negotiated that could affect the approval it can sure. be can consider what's called an inducement to sell so make sure you're talking to not just your real estate agent but, but also your lender. mortgage person yep. you know if it's going to be a fully furnished house and there's a lot of furniture worth you know sometimes tens of thousands of dollars that's going to there's going to be, be a effect problem. on that yeah and 
and and and certainly what what you know the the situations where I've had it in like the upper end luxury stuff has been cash, cash deals, right? Yes. But in the finance realm, it's almost where you want the all those furnishings to be a completely separate transaction. Yes, absolutely. You know, buy the house because here's the reality: if you bump the house price up twenty or thirty grand for a bunch of furniture, you're paying more taxes. You're paying you're paying higher property tax. You're paying in higher. You're you're paying on that furniture forever. For sure. yes. Just buy the furniture just like you would anywhere else, and then and then buy the house separate. But right. but ultimately, you make sure that that's clear uh, what items stay and what items don't stay. Uh, time to close. Um, you know the, the the closing date, the actual time that you're supposed to sign. The closing date is listed on the contract, but there's no contractual time. You know, so sometimes, well, I want to close at nine. If you don't get your pick at nine a.m., that doesn't mean the deal's dead. They only have to have the closing docs prepared by the end of the day. You can't dictate that. It can only you can only dictate that it can be done in that day. Yep. So be very clear about that. But also another thing is the closing date. To me, I always explain this. It's a goal. It's a target. There's so many moving parts that. The real estate agents that, that really no one can control. So if you plan everything around this closing date too tight, um, stuff can backfire. So I would tell you that it's a goal, not a target. Uh, shoot for it, but have contingency plans in place for things that can change or pushes and you know the closing delays and extensions and different things. So um, you know being prepared to be flexible around the the time to close is a big thing I yeah I think that's always yeah I think that's great advice and if you can leave some flexibility in there it always is going to be better you know a lot of the transactions and the horror stories you hear is when everything has to go a hundred percent perfect it's not going to the moving vans in the driveway yeah. that you know the bank wires coming all the you know we're selling our yep. house we're closing an hour later that's usually when things can happen yep. the smallest little you know blip can cause or, major chain reaction or weather. Yeah. A hurricane's on the horizon. You sure. haven't bound your insurance or the moving company doesn't want to move because it's pouring down yeah. rain and it's a liability. So there's all kinds of things like that. Occupancy is another one. When are you able to occupy and when is the seller leaving the property? The contract is typically going to stipulate that, but people don't read it. So they then they have assumptions. But the reality is as soon as closing has happened, the property is supposed to be of the buyers for, so the buyer can occupy. Um, again, it doesn't always work like that. Sometimes there's post-occupancy agreements. Sometimes there's pre-occupancy agreements. There's all kinds of different things that happen. But make sure you understand when the seller's going to be gone and when you're able to occupy the home. Uh, contingencies of the contract. Uh, the main contingencies of a contract that you have to negotiate, you're talking uh, an escrow deposit, an inspection period, uh, closing date and terms, closing costs, uh, appraisal. Those are all kind of some of the main contingencies, and um, th- those are negotiable. You can say, hey, I want this many days for that, or this many days for that, or I want a protection here. So the contingencies are things savvy home buyers are not just negotiating, but using to protect themselves. Yes, absolutely. Home warranty. Uh, look, in a hot market, a home warranty kind of went by the wayside. Yeah, you don't you see seen a lot of these, no. You know, because it's hard to get the seller to pay for anything. Market's right. It's starting to shift a little bit. You know, we start to see them. I think for a lot of home buyers, they are the right thing. For a home buyer that is um, not used to home ownership, it can be an effective tool. For a home uh, a home owner that travels a lot, it can be an effective tool. Um, for uh, again, somebody that's used to condo living or townhome living, a home warranty can help take care of the maintenance and issues that you normally have to take care of as a homeowner. Yeah. And and historically, a seller may provide that or offer that as part of the deal that's going to be there. But you as a buyer can buy one as well. You're, you know, somebody um, from the Dunkin' Duo can help line you up with somebody that can be there. We can as a mortgage lender to do them. And you're right. For a lot of people, it does make a lot of sense. 
um, to be able to do so. So security system is another one, whether the cameras and the security system stay they or go. go. Right. You know, and, and then, of course, the thing you have to worry about is does, you know, even if you change stuff, do they have access to your cameras right. now? That, you know, so yes. so I'm a firm believer, hire an IT person, have them go through and, and make sure that that all gets, you know, squared away. But nonetheless, it needs to be dictated in the contract. You need to know whether or not it's staying or going. Last but not least, the deep cleaning. This is the a big one. The steps to take on closing day. And I can tell you that uh, people's opinion of what cleaning a house uh, is varies completely. Yes. Um, Some people think that it is a quick vacuum and a, and a wipe down of the counters. Uh, Other people think that it is a thousand dollar detail job where the windows should be spotless with no fingerprints. So uh, realistically um, what I would tell you as a home buyer um, have really low expectations of how the home seller is going to leave the home for you and plan just in, inherently think that you're going to have to hire a house cleaner or that you're going to spend a few hours getting the house cleaned up to speed because they people lived a certain way. They were used to things a certain way. You may be completely different. You may be more OCD than them. But but the reality is, is that they have to have all the stuff removed. They're kind of supposed to vacuum and, and wipe down some stuff and have it clean. But it, it isn't that doesn't mean that every single thing in the house has to be perfectly detailed the way you might like to live. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think that's such great advice. And if you have really low expectations and then if you get surprised, it's a good surprise, right? If they do, you know, I I, I mean, I know people that we've had the last house we moved out, we hire cleaners to come in after we left, right? Yeah. To make sure it's nice for the new people. And a lot of people do that and are really good about that. But don't expect that. It's, it's you know, unless it's written into the contract. But again, yeah. the opinion thing, of what a deep same, clean same, is. Exactly. Same thing with builders. Look, builders, there's a lot of dust in new construction properties. Right. You're going to walk in and it's going to be dusty in places, you know? And and again, builders are trying to get a deal done. They're trying to move through the process. They're trying to get you closed on time. The cleaning is something that a lot of times just slips by uh, and, and doesn't happen. I, I actually saw someone blow a deal up over a house, a $400 house cleaning, uh, ended up spending $100,000 more on their next house. Oh my gosh. And their interest rate was a quarter point higher over blowing up a deal because they were their ego got in the way Instead of just hiring a cleaner and solving the problem, their ego got in the way and they wanted to, you know, mess over the seller for not having a house perfectly clean to their standards. And uh, I, I truthfully think they made a bad financial decision because of that. So, um, so again, uh, those are all things that savvy buyers uh, have to, at their disposal. They're things that savvy buyers can use to negotiate, but they're also things that savvy buyers need to make sure that they're paying attention to. So if you're listening to the Duncan Duo Real Estate Show here on WFLA News, when we aren't on air, make sure to follow us on all of our socials. We are at the Duncan Duo, uh, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, Snapchat, always giving you great real estate advice and tips, talking about real estate listings and letting you know what is going on in the market again um, at the Duncan duo. And quickly, before we go to break, um, you know, what do you do with a stale listing? You know, home's been on the market a while, hasn't been getting activity. Um, You know, it's certainly something that, um, you know, causes challenges for a lot of people. Um, But but pricing is the thing that can get your house in front of, uh, you know, new buyers, new photos, new videos, a different marketing strategy, changing the copy, um, and, and truthfully changing your real estate agent. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it's just, again, sometimes you don't have the right person. I think there are a lot of home sellers right now that because the market has been so hot, they hired real estate agents that don't really have experience with the shifting market. And as the next couple months goes by, as the real estate market shifts more, I think more and more sellers are going to be changing real estate agents because they're going to realize they hired somebody that doesn't know how to, doesn't know how to operate in this market. 
and aren't prepared. Um, and and so I think that that's going to be something that you're going to see a lot um, in the uh, in the coming months and also taking it off the market yeah. and then maybe giving it six months and putting it back on. Right. Yeah. And there is a, a lot more, you know, stale listings and probably the definition of what's considered a stale listing is True. probably not Changed. as long as, yeah. it, as it was in the past. But, True. you know, it is it's you know, statistics bear it out that houses are staying on the market a little bit longer. So you may feel like it's it, it's stale when, you know, a few years ago it wouldn't be considered stale. But, yeah, I mean, there's things that you can do to change it around. And you're right. I think a lot of people because the market was so hot, it was so easy to sell your home for yep. so long they would hire somebody at a discount and it would work and it would sell right. they think they save money they probably gave up money in a negotiation that they don't know how to calculate but but the reality is, is those agents now are going to fail in some instances of selling homes because the market's going to change and they're not going to want to they don't know what to do to refresh a listing they don't want know what to do to re-strategize because they've never had to do it before because everything's sold in a week that's changed so so again you're listening to that can do a real estate show we'll be back continuing this conversation about the tampa bay real estate market after a quick break here on wfl so we're back here on the Duncan Duo Show talking about the Tampa Bay real estate market. Uh, I'm Andrew Duncan. Got Mike Corrigan with Cross Country Mortgage. And Mike, what is a mansion? You know, it's it's interesting. We get that question a lot. And, you know, our team works with a lot of clients looking at luxury real estate. I mean, we've sold this year. We've had sales up to I think we have one under contract for seven million. We did a five point three, you know, and and again, I'm always I'm always debating whether or not certain things are a mansion or whether just a luxury property. And so there's an article this week about what is a mansion, and I'm kind of curious, um, you know, what a mansion is to you. What do you think a mansion is? You know, I think that's a great question. So I think of them when I think of mansion. I came, you know, I was born and raised in the Midwest, right? Yep. And, and so in Cleveland, and there. And so when I think of mansion. I think of the large colonial style, brick style, longer homes, house, right, big longer, property yes, yeah. that you don't necessarily see here in Florida as much. I mean, if, you can in like Avila, you sure. can see some mansions yeah, there's some, but in, out in the country, but, but not necessarily like even be even Bayshore. Sometimes it's hard to determine what's a mansion, yes. like because some of the houses, maybe they're kind of close to each other. Maybe they're really big, but they don't have as much property. Is that really a mansion? It's very I mean, it's debatable. Certainly there's some people that say. 5,000 square feet and above is a mansion, or some people say 8,000, or some people say 10,000. Yeah, I mean, I think in the past you almost thought of it if you had a million-dollar property, right, that was considered a mansion and everything else. Well, nowadays prices have gone up so much, that certainly isn't the case that that's anymore. But yeah. Um, yeah, it's yeah. It, I'm like, is a sprawling New York apartment a mansion? Like right. a six thousand square foot apartment viewing Central Park is that a mansion? Like, me personally, I don't view it as a mansion. I think, like you do, having grown up in Indiana, I think of a mansion as this big yes. palatial with a gate and a big property, acres and acres of property, really long house. Um, but th- that's kind of what I think of uh, as a mansion too. But again, to everyone else, it's different. I have people that'll say, "Oh, I drive up and down Bayshore, and every house is a mansion." And it's like, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I agree right. with that. Yeah, know? it's it, it's interesting. But I guess you know, here in Florida, you I, I would I would say that here those are, those are mansions, and I live out you know on the beaches, and so you see a lot of those big homes that are getting built, yeah. and you know, um, and a lot of them aren't even you know that large of square footage, right? right? Because the whole first floor is garage, garage. and yeah. you know everything else that goes in there, but that would be considered there. So I, I think it really is a subjective term and you know, uh, property values throughout the country vary so much, right, for the amount of whether it's land. So one of the things here in Florida that's different than a lot of the other states is our land is valuable. 
Yeah. Right. Because True. a lot of it's near Especially water. Especially water. And I think other things that, uh, you know, kind of dictate a mansion, luxury amenities. Yeah, for you sure. You know, I mean, like, so so obviously a pool, but like a, a killer pool, you know, waterfalls, saunas, spas. Elevator. Uh, elevators. Um, you know, like th- those things are, are help make, you know, luxury amenities. But one thing that I read that I thought was interesting is that, you know, like, for example, um, here, I, I generally do think a lot of people think 5,000 square feet or above the mansion. In LA, twenty thousand. Yeah, it's, right. I mean, twenty thousand yeah, so square. They don't. People don't consider the mansion as twenty thousand square feet. I mean, you got to be in the Playboy Mansion. <laughs> you know, you got to be in the Jeter compound here yeah. to find a house that's gonna that's gonna fit that. I know it's not his anymore, but most people know that he built it. So the you know so again some of the luxury amenities that are a must for a mansion, entertainment facilities. Again, like a theater, billiard rooms, you know, game rooms, leisure space. Lavish grounds. This is where I think right, which yes. separates the mansion for me. Um, you know, like again, there's some amazing Gigantic houses. Fountains and yeah, there's some like amazing that. houses yep. on Bayshore that are on smaller lots that to me they may be big, they may have amazing water views, but I don't know if it's a man it's it, in my mind it's not. To a lot of people it is, but again, different wealth trajectories, you know. Uh superlative building materials and finishes. So you're talking about different kinds of columns and fences and and windows and so again. Um, you know, a lot of people, you know, view what, you know, what's a man, what is a mansion, you know, differently. But, but I think even here, um, even when you talk luxury here, you know, our real estate market used to say a million dollars is luxury house. Right. And now, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't know that that's the case. I mean, our average sale price is almost 500 now luxury only double the average sale price. It used to be like triple or quadruple the average sale price. So now, I mean, there are parts of Tampa Bay where a million dollars to me is a luxury house, and there are parts of Tampa Bay where a million dollars is a very basic regular house. It just depends on the location. I mean, yeah. there are houses in Palmasia and, and South Tampa that I see go for a million dollars. I'm like, eh, it's kind of a right. I don't know that I would consider that luxury. And that goes know? back to the location and usually near the you know the distance to some sort of body of water, right? That that goes into that. But right, some of the other areas. You can go out for a million dollars. You can get, you know, a monster of a house in in square footage where it's somewhat usually a little bit farther away from the water. Yeah, it's interesting. So they they have a whole article here too, and I'm gonna I'm gonna skip this one. But six mansion problems you're glad you don't have to deal with. <laughs> I think is interesting. The yeah. uh, the different points. Mo money, mo problems. Right. right. So so again, um, but but that's kind of what I think the definition of a mansion is for Florida. And and where it varies, and and it depends on where you grew up. You know, it depends on your your out your your perspective, and and I think it also certainly depends on your wealth situation, your net worth. I think the the more the more wealthy someone is, the more they might uh you know have a more grandiose vision of what uh, a mansion sure. know, should be. So, well, anyway, we're going to continue our conversation. We're going to talk about the Tampa Bay real estate market after a quick break here on the Duncan Duo Show. So we're back here on the Duncan Duo Show talking about the Tampa Bay real estate market. When we aren't on air, if you miss any part of our show, you can always listen to our Duncan Duo podcast. Always up within a day after our show. You can find it for free on the iHeartRadio app. Again, that's the iHeartRadio app. Just search Duncan Duo, and you can check out our podcast anytime we aren't on air. Again, at the free iHeartRadio app by searching for Duncan Duo. Nine home buying myths you need to stop believing Immediately, this is so true. Some of these are kind of funny, but but it's very true. Yeah, these are good. Uh, myth number one: the first step is looking for a house. Yeah, uh, I don't no, know how many times no. we've said that. Go go get pre-approved. Talk to your mortgage lender. People sure get let you, down. They yes. miss out on houses. They uh, can't qualify. They get devastated. Um, 
Myth number two. So again, myth number one, it, the, your first step really should be assessing your financial situation, Absolutely. getting qualified for a mortgage. Myth number two, a 30-year mortgage is the best option. Now, for some people, it can be. Yes. For other people, a 15-year or an arm may be the right path. Every person's financial situation is going to be different. But I think a lot of people like the idea of paying off quicker and doing a 15-year mortgage. And and I also think you're starting to see 40-year mortgages in some in some yes. small realms. Right. You know? There are small, small realms on that. And there's, you know, a lot of people don't realize this, but there's everything in between, right? So it's not just 30, 15. Yep. You can do a 25, a 20. Do a seven. Right. Yeah. We can do we can do any term mortgage that you want to. You know, we, we can do a 27 and a half year mortgage if somebody wants to do that. And so sometimes reducing the number of years um, is it's just a small increment, you know, incremental growth in the payment. It's not that yeah. much more to go from a 30 to a 25 and you cut a whole five years off the mortgage, build equity faster. Yep. That's very true. Your down payment must be 20%. Another yeah. myth. I mean, there's, there's everything from zero down to 20% down to even more than 30% to, to even more than 20% if you yes. want. But yeah, that is a myth. You do not have to have 20% down. That number can vary. Again, it's going to vary on your rate, your payment, your term, all those things. Myth number four, the only upfront cost is a down payment. Uh, yeah, that is wrong. You're going to have some closing costs. You're yes. going to have inspection costs, appraisal costs, all these different types of things. Um, you can't buy with bad credit. That is a myth. Now, again, um, there are a few ways to buy with bad credit. One, maybe you got some cash. You know, I mean, look, you if you have bad credit, but you got cash, you can buy, right? Right. Um, you know, the second thing is you can buy, you can buy with bad credit is a hard money loan. You can get a loan from somebody that's going to charge you more than the typical rate and term that a mortgage provider uh, would give you, or you're going to have to put up more down payment money. So it is possible to buy. You could also do owner financing. Um, again, those things haven't been as attractive because the market's been so hot. But as again, we see the market shift a little bit. It may be possible for more people to buy with bad credit, but they're going to pay for it. Yeah. And, you know, this is one of those things, too, where sometimes, you know, bad credit can be a subjective term. True. Right. So make sure you talk to, you know, uh, call us at Cross Country or talk to your mortgage professional that can walk you through that. Because I've talked to people that think they have horrible credit or bad credit, and it's actually really good. Yeah. And then vice versa. Right. I've had people tell me they got great credit. And, and then, then it's, it's like, trash. look at it. It's yeah. trash. And so sometimes it's subjective or they don't really fully understand it. And so it's important that you talk to somebody to make sure you understand, you know, do you have bad credit? Or right. Not? Yeah. Exactly. And not just that, but your your bad credit could be because of a mistake or it could right. be easily fixed. I, yes. I've seen a 20, 30, 40 point swing sometimes just from simple things that people don't realize that could be the difference between qualifying and not. Yes, very I've seen much student so. loan issues and medical records and all medical payment stuff get removed. So again, talking to your lender, knowing your credit, doing that homework ahead of time. Uh, you miss six, you don't need a home inspection. Again, unless you're a general contractor and you're really good at this stuff, um, you, you do. And it shouldn't be from your dad. You know, I mean, it right. just should. You yes. know, I, I'm sorry. Your dad right. is not qualified. Unless, again, your dad is a licensed home inspector. But most of the time, it's like I, every time it's like I saw a meme the other day and it was like it was like a, a group of dads doing yoga. And it said, like, you know, dads preparing to kill real <laughs> estate deals, you know, like yeah. because the, the reality is you need a professional. You need somebody right. experienced For sure. at it. Um, uh, myth number seven, the asking price is set in stone. And that is a myth because it can go either way. The asking price could be the entry level for an unofficial auction bidding war. The asking price could be the starting point where you can negotiate down. I think over the last 
couple of years, we've seen the list to sell price ratio in Tampa hover above 100%. Right, yeah. So it was an entry level. It was like, this is the price. Um, that changes a little bit. And again, it varies based on neighborhood and price point, but we're starting to see a little bit of shift where maybe there is a little bit of negotiation room the other direction. Uh, things are still selling. I think the last stat was 100% of list yes, sell price right. Things are still selling at asking price. But sometimes they it might go a little below. Sometimes it goes a little above, and that's why you got That's why you have an average. So asking price isn't is not uh, set in stone. You don't need an agent. Oh man, I I could go on and on and on. I, man, I have friends and family that have bought really bad real estate. They've overpaid. They've gotten bad deals. They've they've got sucked into really ugly contract assignable contracts where they're giving their equity away. Selling to hedge funds that you know undercut, they leave ten percent plus on the table. I've seen so many people not with an agent make major financial mistakes. And again, I don't think you just need an agent. You need an exceptional agent. You you need somebody that knows what they're doing. You need a team. You need you need somebody with a track record. Um, because the reality is, when you say you don't need an agent, it's it, there's a lot of people that have a real estate license, and there's a lot of people that have the real estate license that don't have any clue what they're doing. So. The reality is you need a good agent, you yeah. know, and, and and I think this I think the market changes are going to weed out a lot of bad agents. Right. For sure. And I think it'll become more um, evident and more obvious now um, as the market shifts a little bit that, you know, the good agents be for the bad agents, you know, before when everything was just so good and it was so smooth and everything is selling so quickly, you know, a bad agent could look good. Right. Because it, it was the market carrying the yeah. agent, not the agent, you know, not vice versa. And now having someone that can negotiate properly, know truly what pricing should be, th things like that and all the stuff that goes in, I think it'll be more evident. You'll see it in the marketplace. Yeah. And I talk and I talk myth number nine. I talked about this uh, on the last show. Schools don't matter if you don't have kids. Nothing could be further from the truth. First off, yeah. you may end up having kids. Right. Okay. Um, it happens. You know, <laughs> like uh, sorry, it just does. You know, and, and but secondly, when you um, when you sell your house after you own it, the you know, strong likelihood is the people buying it are going to care about the schools and resale values in certain school districts are better than others. Yes. You know, so the schools really do matter. The sustainability of the school is going to help impact your value. It's going to help you at resale. It's going to make your property desirable if you're in the right school district. So you really do need to pay attention to the neighborhood that you choose and the schools that are there, even if you're not going to have kids or you don't presently have kids because those things can change. Yeah. yeah so, so schools definitely um, you know, schools definitely matter. And so one more myth that, uh, that isn't on the list that I think is, um, you know, something we can set in stone. It's a bad time to buy a house. You know, I I've heard people say, Oh, it's a bad time to buy a house. I don't think there's ever a bad time to buy a house. It's just a matter of what your perspective is. Sure. You know, and, and, and the reality is, is that now you have a little bit more options out there. You have more inventory rates bumped up. But they've come. They've been sliding back. Yeah, they have. You know, slid they've been, back they've down. slid back into the fours. You know, so so again, rates aren't as bad as they were a month ago or so. And but but the reality is, you have more choices, and you might be able to get a better deal because now there isn't a frenzy on every single house. You're not you're not overpaying like you were, you know, six months ago. So again, it's all subjective. It depends on what your perspective is. But but there's always 
it's always a great time to buy great real estate. Yeah, I find it so interesting that for, for years we talked about I mean, literally years, we talked about how there was an inventory problem and we, we needed more inventory and we wanted more inventory on the market so that we'd make more towards a balanced market. Now that's happening, right? For myriad different right. reasons. And then everyone's saying, oh, oh no, it's a bad to time to buy. Right. Yeah, makes <laughs> And no we, sense. Were begging, yeah. we were begging, begging for, for inventory. it. You know, I always believe that, you know, if you're talking about generating wealth and, you know, creating a great life for yourself, don't wait to buy real estate. Buy real estate and wait. Yes. Because it's going to provide so many benefits and opportunities for you. So, again, you're listening to the Duncan Duo Real Estate Show here on WFLA News. Did I miss the top of the market to sell? What to do if you've been waiting in the wings? Um, and here's what I would tell you. Prices are not going to drop. Uh, they're just not going to. Not in Florida. Not anytime soon. Now, is the acceleration of price growth going to slow? Yes. Are we going to see more inventory? Yes. Will we eventually, someday, years down the line, see prices drop? Maybe. Um, but right now, with inflation causing new construction prices to go up, that drives resale houses, too. And, 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 and I, Yeah, yeah I think go ahead. No, I think it's important to point out because people may say, oh, well, I'm seeing price drops all over the place or, or reductions and everything else. And I think a lot of those homes that were listed were the people trying to overpriced. still catch the market yep. at the to top and overprice it and see if they could get it. And now we're coming back down to really where it should be priced. Yep. And so so we, saw no we saw another month where the average sale price in Tampa grew. Right. You know, I mean, it, it's just going to keep doing that. Yes. Now, is it going to grow at the 30 percent pace it was growing the last couple of years? No, but it's not going to drop. You're not going to drop. So. Right. So if you it, and again, does that mean you did or did not miss the top of market? It's, it really is. It's subjective because it depends on what you're doing afterwards. Right. If you're selling a smaller home, if you're selling an, and buying an equivalent home, the what you're going to buy is going up just like what you're going to sell. It depends on whether you're moving up or moving down and certainly the neighborhood and area that you're in, because some areas or neighborhoods, uh, you know, may have more drastic appreciation and growth or, uh, than others. So. So, again, um, you know, uh, did you miss the bidding war frenzies? Maybe each neighborhood and house is unique. So if you want to know whether or not it's the right time to sell, Based on your goals and objectives, calls. You hit us up, DuncanDuo.com. Send us a message. You hit us up on social media. We can look at it and evaluate and tell you, hey, look, you're gonna. We expect to see this much appreciation in your neighborhood. You're buying. Your 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 plan is to move up. You should buy now because if you're selling your 500 to buy a million, and houses go up 10 percent, your 500 became 550. Your million became 1.1. You lost fifty thousand dollars. You know. So so again, a lot of times people don't factor that in. They, they just say, oh, I want to get more for my house. I want to wait. Yep. And then, but what are you buying afterwards? Oh, I'm buying a two or three more expensive. What do you think's happened to the value of that? You think it's going to go down? Right. Like, no, the opposite, you know? So, so again, um, it really does. You, you can't think of it in a vacuum. You have to look at the whole, you know, the whole, the whole picture to get an idea. And again, when you, when we aren't on air, you can always listen to our podcast, Duncan Duo podcast on the free iHeartRadio app. Just search Duncan Duo. And we'll be back. Uh, after a quick break here, uh, wrapping up with our last segment here on the Duncan Duo Show. So we're back here on the Duncan Duo Show talking about the Tampa Bay real estate market. And, you know, we we talked about in our last segment how we expect home price appreciation to slow. Now, that doesn't mean depreciation. That doesn't right. mean home values dropping. It means the pace at which home values rise is going to slow. So the, the home sellers have been spoiled. Um, the re with, with these drastic appreciation and super hot market, home sellers were in such a leveraged position that that is starting to shift a little bit, not a lot, people. Don't don't take this and think that we're going to foreclosure land and you're going to see a bunch of short sales on the market. That we we don't see that happening. Okay, the data doesn't support that. The job growth doesn't support that. Um, you know, T Tampa just does not show that at all. Okay, but 
Home sellers have been spoiled and some rude awakenings to brace for if you're selling a home today. The old norm is the seller should expect a bidding war. The new norm is bidding wars are going to be more rare. Yes, for sure. And again, that doesn't mean they won't happen. It just means they're not going to happen as regularly and there's not going to be as many bidders on their home. Again, they'll happen and you'll have some homes in certain neighborhoods or price points that are still bidding war, but it, but it won't be every house. Old norm, buyers will pay well over the asking price. New norm, buyers may offer only listing price or less. Again, relatively uh, true. Um, it's going to become a new norm. But again, we still saw 100 plus percent list to sell price ratio in Tampa in the last month of statistics. So we're, we're still seeing stuff selling at asking. You're just seeing it soften a little bit. Old norm, buyers may waive contingencies. By contingencies, we mean you know, not doing an inspection, waiving an appraisal contingency, moving forward with the purchase even if the property doesn't appraise, right. um, all those things. Uh, new norm is contingencies are back with a vengeance. I yeah. don't know if I'd say it back with a vengeance yet, but I think we're starting to see them creep back into more contracts. And, and one of the things that we're starting to see on the mortgage when we get the contracts in is we're starting to see, you know, you couldn't get a seller to pay a credit or p- contribute towards closing costs ever. And we're starting to see that a little bit yep, more now. Same. Where sellers are doing some credits and being able to do some things, which is, you know, you know, you know good who for else the buyers. Is? You know who else is doing that? Yes. The, home builders. The, yeah, the builders the incentives home builders. are back. Man, I got to tell you, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm not going to say any names, but, but man, there's some builders that were pretty... Um, Ruthless to realtors the last year didn't really get didn't really show realtors too much love. Started cutting what realtors make, and now all of a sudden, man, they're doing parties. Yeah, they're inviting. <laughs> yeah, they're buying you alcohol. All they're right. taking you to lunch. They want to do presentations in the office. They're offering you bonuses. They're yeah. paying concessions. Man, this is a whole new world, you know. <laughs> and and so what I'll tell you is, I think some of those builders. And again, I'm I'm not. I don't want no. Uh, I don't want no lawyer nasty gram. So I ain't gonna say no names, but. Some of those builders, um, I think, are mistaken in that they probably lost the buy-in of some of those agents because yes. they it was a tough market and and the agents felt like they uh, had to do more work because of the creativeness of the market and 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 some of the obstacles with new construction delays and building materials and all these things and the realtors had to keep deals together and and the builders you know, started cutting things and and so I think there's going to be some of those builders that are going to be on the. Uh, the in the doghouse with a lot of realtors for a while, but but nonetheless, just like uh, normal sellers, uh, home builders are back. Incentives, closing costs, we're starting to see some of those things creep in. Bonuses, and again, let's do parties. Let's love yeah. the realtors again. Right. Let's go to their offices. Uh, interesting how that works. <laughs> um, old norm, homes will sell in a few days. New norm, homes may take a few weeks or longer to sell. And again, depending on the price point right. and depending on if. The agent and the seller follow the path of overpricing it, right? You know, which has been kind of a norm. You know, the market's hot. Let's price it higher and see what happens. And it still sells because you know the market's hot. Now you can't afford to do that. You know, you've got to you've got to come in and price it properly. People have access to too much data. You want your home to sell in a quick time frame. You got to come in with the right price. Yeah, and if you are a home seller, I think you got to level set your expectations, and your agent should go over that with you. But it, you know, it used to be if you didn't sell it in the first weekend, you thought something was wrong. It, it, it's probably yeah. not going to be that as Correct. often. It'll still happen, and you know, if you're going to be the right way, but it may take a little bit longer. Correct. I mean, we may see our days on market go from 14 to 21 to sure. 30. You know, things like that. Old norm: homes will sell in any condition. New norm: homes need to be showroom ready. Now. When I'm saying selling that to t- traditional buyer, you know, look, a home in any condition can be sold. It's yep. just the price and, and the investor's, you know, comfort with risk. 
So homes can sell in any condition. It's just the price has to be reflective of the condition. But um, for for you know a lot of home buyers that are used to um, you know this super hot market, now sellers are going to have to be more prepared and have their home in better condition to fend off a little bit more competition, a, few, a little a little bit more listing inventory. So you're going to see more sellers need their homes to be kind of on the up and up, whereas they could have you know, skipped painting or skipped some maintenance stuff or skipped this or skipped that. Now they got to, they got to make sure to, you know, cross the T's and dot the I's. And that's back. I think, you know, home sellers got a little bit spoiled and you're just going to have to do a little bit more and kind of, you know, tidy it up the place to, to make it more, you know, they say showroom ready, but a little bit, you know, showable, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and, and so again, those are the, um, you know, the home, the new, home seller rules and some rude awakenings for home sellers that they need to be prepared for. And I think the last one that they don't mention is that home sellers need to really vet their real estate agent. Yeah. They, they really need to vet the real estate agent. They're thinking about hiring. The market isn't the same. It's not as easy. They need somebody with a marketing budget with more expertise in a, in a different market that isn't an order taker. Our, the real estate industry has gotten lazy the last few years and become order takers, and that that's going to change. You're going to need a professional that has a, a team and a system and marketing. And obviously, look, I am applying for the job of us <laughs> selling your house. And you can hit us up on any of our socials at the Duncan Duo, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, Snapchat. When we aren't on air, and that's it for today. Hope you have an awesome rest of your Sunday, and thanks for tuning in.